Welcome to the Best Ever You Network, celebrating our third year on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Thank you for helping us become a number one rated live show with over one million global listeners. Our team is on a mission to help you discover your authentic best self and bring it to the world. And now, here's our show. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening today. Um, I'm Elizabeth, there's an um right there. <laughs> I don't know who I am. I'm Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, <laughs> one of the co-hosts of the Best Ever You Show. And um, Dr. Walter, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Elizabeth. Thanks. Yeah, it's. Um, I, we always talk about the weather, so um, a snowstorm missed us. I was thankful for that. Sorry for all. Uh, the and it's yeah, it's uh, sunny and pleasant here. Sunny and pleasant there, and our guest is from Vegas. And it's sunny and pleasant there, too, but we'll um, chat with him in just a minute. We've got Randy Sutton coming on the radio show. Um, He's got this great website while we're waiting for him to come on. Check it out. It's thepoweroflegacy.com. And um, I know, in uh, Dr. Walter, in in my book, Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through, that's one of the things I mentioned right from the get-go is the footprints that we leave. So I'm really curious um, about everything that he's going to talk about today. Yeah, he may. Yeah, his, his his whole legacy idea is the fact that you know we do, you know we may not choose like sort of what happens to us to some degree uh, in terms of where we are placed in in our you know in our life where we show up in our lives, but we do have a choice as to as the decisions we make and you know what we leave behind and the effects we have on others and you know and in my book Forgive to Win I talk about you know esteemable acts of kindness like being of service to others and and having an impact and leaving an impact on people's lives. So I think we're all on the same page here with with these ideas. Yeah, and um, yeah, I couldn't, we talk about this a lot, too, in our group on Facebook, uh, which is Best Ever You for anybody who wants to join, um, about all these topics, and we support um, books and fitness challenges and forgiveness and percolating, and I think now we're going to have a Power of Legacy uh, chat going on in that group. So um, there were a lot of people very interested in um, his message and what um, Randy brings to us today with the Best Ever You show um Lots, lots to listen to here. But he's. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Um, he spent most of most of his adult life in service to his communities. He was a police officer and a detective in Princeton, New Jersey. In Princeton, New Jersey, for ten years, and then um, served with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department for twenty three years. He has the distinction of being regarded as one of the highest decorated police officers in the department's history, including awards for valor, community service, and multiple life-saving awards. And he retired at the rank of a lieutenant. So how are you, Randy? Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, uh, I don't even know what question to ask you first. I, 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 <laughs> how'd you go from, I'm going to ask you this, how'd you go from New Jersey to Vegas? Well, and that's a good question. I, I spent uh, um, 10 years as a police officer there, and it was my hometown in Princeton, New Jersey, which is a beautiful small town. Uh, and, but quite honestly, in a, in a town that has 35 police officers, I grew kind of bored with uh, with small-town policing. And I was you know, now halfway to retirement when I left, so I only had one move in me in the Las Vegas Police Department they were hiring, and uh, this was in the heyday of uh, of the growth here. So I came out and had to retest and go through the whole police academy deal again. And uh, but I never looked back. It's been a been an, I had an amazing career here. Well, you, you know, you, you've written a lot of books about uh, the, uh, police officers and their lives. The, 
the good, the bad, the difficult, and, uh, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you sort of got inspired to start writing about this stuff. Well, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a great believer in in fate, and uh, and that our pathways are 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 laid out for us if we choose to take them. Uh, but there are there are defining moments in our lives where, if we're open to them, um, that's those are the opportunities for for growth. And what happened was I had never intended to be a writer, um, but an incident took place uh, 17 years ago, almost uh, almost to the month that that changed my life forever. And I was a patrol sergeant. I was on patrol in the uh, at nighttime, and I, I heard screams and saw a car up on the sidewalk near a local, uh, near some local businesses. And so I didn't know what was going on, but I saw people running around and people screaming. And as I uh, pulled up, I heard somebody yelling, oh, my God, the baby's been shot. The baby's been shot. And when I got out of my patrol car, I saw a little infant seat on the sidewalk and what had happened was mother and father are going to the store with uh, their their one month old baby in the back uh, in their infant seat and some gang members pulled up alongside of them for absolutely no reason whatsoever other than what we determined to be a, a gang initiation they just opened fire on the car and ah. one of the bullets struck the baby in the face and I literally pulled up um, just a minute or so after it took place. So when, when, I, when I saw the baby and she was grievously injured, um, I realized that I could not wait for an ambulance because she stopped breathing. So the next patrol car that got there within seconds, I grabbed the baby and I said, get me to the trauma center. And I was able to clear her airway and give her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And uh, because I was there within within such close proximity to the injury, she, she I brought her back and she had no brain damage because uh, of how quickly I was able to administer the, the, the rescue breathing. And uh, bringing that girl back and then handing her off to the trauma center where they they did their their miraculous stuff um changed my life forever um because of of the emotion of that incident taking place i wrote that i wrote when i went home that night i wrote the story and i wrote about the 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 feeling that it invoked and then i just stuck it in the drawer and i I didn't know what to do with it. It was just uh, a story that I felt I needed to to get out and I needed to write. So I put it in a drawer, and a couple of years later, the World Trade Center was attacked, and it was the deadliest day in law enforcement history. Seventy-two police officers were killed, and I realized out of a sense of frustration that I needed to feel like I was going to do something to help both the, the the families of the officers and the people that we serve. So I embarked on my project, which was called True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them. And 
knowing that other police officers ha- have experienced very similar things to what I did, I took that story out and I submitted it to a writer's contest, a national writing contest, and wound up winning first place for nonfiction. And I asked police officers from around the country to give me a story of something that affected them. And what came out was true blue police stories by those who have lived them. And I uh, was published by St. Martin's Press, and I, I donated every penny of the royalties to the families of the officers who were killed in 9-11. And, uh, and that's how my writing career started. Wow. Yeah, you're leaving me speechless. Uh, wow. That is, um, I don't even know where to go from there. Dr. Walter, let me have a minute. You want to take it from here for a second? That yeah, is- uh, <laughs> I, I would just say that, uh, so then what you did was you wrote other other books but, but about stories, about your life as a police officer, the struggles, but, but now you're onto something bigger than that. This, uh, maybe you can tell us about the power of legacy and what, that, what that's all about. I sure will. And um, once again, you know, um, the pathways of our lives um, sometimes become open to us because of, of, of trauma and life's experiences. And um, my, uh, my career with the with, – I, mean, I had a 34-year police career, which is a pretty good run. And I, I did not intend to retire when I did, but what happened was um, – Walter, I, I was on patrol one night as uh, the watch commander, and when I was the watch commander of, uh, of Las Vegas Police Department, you know, it's a pretty busy city, and I would take a patrol officer with me on patrol so they could see what the watch commander does. And uh, so I had this young officer with me. It was 2.30 in the morning, and I, um, I suffered a stroke in my police car. And... Um, Luckily, I had that young officer with me because I realized that I was having a stroke. Stopped the police car in the middle of the Las Vegas Boulevard and said, you've got to get me help. I'm, I'm having a stroke. And after the shock wore off for him, he, he, got, he got the ambulance, um, uh, the medical attention that I needed. And uh, it was the most frightening moment of my life. I was unable to speak. I was able, unable to move. I, I fell to the pavement. And I was unable to communicate. And of all the things that I've experienced in my life, and I can tell you that, that I'm a survivor of five officer-involved shootings, this was the most frightening moment of my life. And when they got me to the hospital, they uh, the, they, they found out I had um, um, a very serious uh, heart issue, which ended my police career. And... Um, after they did surgery on me, they basically gave me a death sentence. Um, the, uh, the doctor sat on the edge of the bed and said, this is right after the surgery, he said, how are you feeling? And I said, to tell you the truth, I feel pretty good. And he, he smiled and he said, I'm glad to hear that, but I don't want you to be under the mistaken impression that anything we did here is going to preclude you from walking out of here and having a major heart attack or another stroke. And I can assure you that, that those, those were not the words I had anticipated hearing. And I said, well, then, then why did you do the surgery? And he looked at me and he said, because it will make you more comfortable. And it was during that, that time period when I really started reexamining my life. And uh, I should mention that three weeks prior to that, my mother with whom I lived died in my arms. And... uh 
so these you know these are very connected life's events um, those two those two events made me um, made me choose a different path you know it, the, the stroke took a lot from me you know it took my career it took some of my health I must say and but it also I realized it gave me a great gift and I call that in my self-examination I call it a gift of clarity in that it pointed out to me that my mission in life may have changed but I certainly still had a mission and in the remaining time that I that I have I'm going to continue to try and create a better world and the way I'm, I've chosen to do that is through my understanding of this gift that was given to me about legacy and about how important it is to leave a positive legacy in every stage of your life, not just when you're examining the end of your life, but we leave a legacy in every contact that we have. Walter, you said something during the introduction, and I smiled because one of the the um, – sayings that that um that came to mind after during my my self examination was that you cannot choose your destiny but you can create your legacy and you said something very similar to that at the at the opening of the show and those are words that I live by and the creation of that legacy is in the manner in which you treat people so when people go to my website, the first thing they'll see is that what I hope to inspire are the concepts of kindness and, and compassion, integrity, and honor. And that is what legacy truly is for me. Yeah, those are those, that's what Best Ever You is all about also. So you're, just a, you're a perfect guest for us. And in, uh, in my book, we call that percolating peace. Um, so it's yes, it's a, very much along the same lines, and it makes me smile to hear you say that because I one thing I agree with so much is that you know the footprints or legacy or, or whatever they don't have to be created when something um, traumatic happens, but you know if we can reach people and share this message, you can be percolating peace or be more aware of your legacy and the moments that you're creating from the get go or from a very young age, and that's. That's kind of who, who we've got a very young audience sometimes that listens to Best Ever You to kind of get those messages that they might not be receiving in school or otherwise. Um, and so it's just I, I just I applaud you for, for recognizing that and, and being so brave, continuing to be so brave to come on a radio show and do all the things that you're doing, writing and so forth, to share those messages with everyone. I, I do want to know how long ago was your stroke? Oh, four years ago. How long ago? Four years ago, yeah, my four years, my dad yep. had a, yeah, my dad is a stroke survivor, so I'm very familiar with that. My dad, they um, when my it, this is in my book too, but um, they the cardiologist kind of gathered our whole family around and said, you know, I've done everything I can do, and I don't think he's going to survive, and all these things, and he's got a very serious heart condition, and he's 11 years out now. I mean, we kind of we sort of yeah, we surrounded him with even more love and so forth. What did you do in that moment? when the doctor said that to you to kind of, 
did you bypass him and go, okay, that, that's a little bit negative for me, and I choose to see this in a different way? Or how did you take that information and, and move on? Because some people, that would just sink them right there. Well, to, to be perfectly honest, I, I, was, I was a little shocked at, at what he said. But it was, a, um, it was a distinctive moment in my life because it, it, changed, it changed the way um, I viewed the future. And, uh, and, and in that, in that change, um, are accomplishments that, that, um, I never would have, uh, created had that moment not happened to me. I mean, the, the publication of my new book, which is called The Power of Legacy, Personal Heroes of America's Most Inspiring People, um, well, think, you're going to love this. First of all, you're going to love the book when you read it, but the adventure of, of, Putting this book together was so inspiring to me um, because, you know, let, let's face it, as, when you're a police officer for as long as I was, you can become very jaded. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're given a constant diet of, of sadness and cruelty and watching what people are capable of doing to one another, and it, it, can, it can tear your soul out. Um, it, it, it scars your soul. And I understood that. I, I found myself in that, in that place some, uh, often. And um, like my book, my, first, my second book, A Cop's Life, is a very, very dark book. It's all stories from my own career. But when, um, when I was examining how I wanted to, how I wanted to run the rest of my life, I realized that, you know, yeah, I, I did. I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of death. I watched sadness and cruelty and a lot of negative stuff. But at the same time, I also ran into people that were doing amazing things for others. People that were very quietly going about a life while they wanted to reach out and touch the lives of people through their kindness and their charity and their compassion. And I said to myself, well, wait a minute. This is the mission. This is what needs to be, this is what, what people need to hear and need to see. So I embarked on an odyssey of finding the most inspiring people that I could find and interviewing them, talking to them about who it was in their lives that inspired them to become the people that they are. So what has resulted from that is the power of legacy, personal heroes of America's most inspiring people. And, and, and in this book, I feature stories from um, some very famous people. Gary Sinise was one of them. He's done you know, just incredible things for, for injured veterans. Um, uh, Jacqueline Machard, who is a New York Times bestselling author who, who created a, 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 a writing space for, for women who were victims of domestic violence, Frank Shankwitz is the first story in my book, and and uh, this was a very this was a very emotional time. Um, Frank Shankwitz, you might not know know his name, but you certainly know what he accomplished because he created the Make a Wish Foundation. Wish, yeah. And he did so when he was a uh, an Arizona state trooper. His story is incredible. What happened was he. Uh, he was called to a hospital to 
make the wish of a little boy come true who always wanted to be a policeman. He was seven years old and he was dying of leukemia. And this was during the time when, when the television show Chips, California Highway Patrol, was really popular. And this kid loved this show. So his mother, knowing that his time was short, wanted him to at least meet a real motorcycle policeman. So she arranged for the Arizona troopers to to uh, have that done. And, and and Frank and his partner went, and they just fell in love with this little boy. And, and, uh, and they... Uh, you know, they bring him out and he, they put him on the motorcycle and they actually made him an honorary trooper. He's seven years old. And Frank realized that, wait a minute, he doesn't have a uniform. So he, he contacted their their uniform um, their uniform shop and they explained to the, to the people in the shop, look, here's this little boy's size. Can you make a uniform for him? And, and it has to be done quickly. So they stayed throughout the night and they made this little boy's uniform. Frank picked it up brings it to him at the hospital, and he's so proud of him. You know, he's got his, his little trooper uniform and a badge. And um, um, then they, the, the, the thing that designates a motorcycle officer is a, a winged wheel that they wear on their collar. And the little boy picked up on that and said, but, but if I'm a motorcycle policeman, I, I have to have one of those. So Frank arranged to have the jeweler that makes them stay all night and made the winged wheel for the little boy. And when he was on his way to bring it to him, he got a phone call that the boy was in a coma and was not expected to survive the morning. And um, Frank got there and the little boy was was in a coma um, with his trooper uniform hanging next to him. And, of course, the mother is there, you know, crying and, you know, what, there wasn't much for Frank to do, but he, uh, he he pinned the winged wheel on the uniform. And just at that moment, the, uh, excuse me a second. Just at that moment, the little boy opened his eyes and saw the winged wheel and started laughing and giggling and brought him back to life for just a few moments before he laid his head back and died. Well, Frank realized the incredible power that he had created in making this little boy's wish come true. And he said, why can't we do this for the future? And he created that Make-A-Wish Foundation, and ran it without taking one dime of it for years. That's the kind of story that this book is full of, people like that. Wow. Wow. You know, your your experience with the the stroke made you kind of examine, sounds like, your, your own legacy, what you would leave behind, and then you... You decided to like find people out there in the world did courageous, incredible, innovative things to to leave a legacy behind. But uh, but now this, from what I understand, this legacy challenge is you're trying to get people to consciously, uh, as opposed to people who just sort of fall into doing great things, you're trying to get people, everyday people, to. Uh, to, to do this challenge, to ask themselves the, the questions of what they what decisions do they, do they want to make now and, and what do, do they want to do to influence and affect other people's lives, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, 
when when self reflection and um uh, really when we examine ourselves internally the answers are there for us but we need to actually ask them we need to we need to look at uh, ourselves and that's difficult for a lot of folks you know life is life is very busy you know we get we get sucked into the vortex of what i i call the vortex of mundanity with our lives because we go to work we uh, have the commute in our car we have to deal with our bosses we have to go shopping and that takes up the majority of our time and so to actually t- take time for yourself to reflect on your life and on your personal uh your personal goals the way you you choose to live your life is difficult for some folks and so um i wrote about the legacy challenge for me and that was one night it became clear to me that i might not ever find the answers but i think it's just the questions that that make the that make the difference so i just wrote down what my questions are to myself when i examined my life and that is you know some of them were you know was i was i kind to animals um was i a true friend was i uh, was I kind more often than I was cruel? And so these are the questions that that are, are the legacy challenge questions. And what I urge people to do is is read them, but to take time to determine what their own questions are, and and that's the 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 way to to lead the path to making a determination about the life that you want to lead. If you've just joined us, we are um, live with Randy Sutton. Randy is the author of four books, The Power of Legacy, which is his newest book. He's the author of True Blue, To Protect and Serve. He's the author of A Cop's Life and uh, True Blue, Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them. And um, he's got quite an inspirational story. I encourage you, if you're just joining us, to go back and listen to the beginning of the show and um, catch up with where we are right now because he's, he's shared so much information. I especially love the um, love the story of the creator of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And I love it when people come on our show and share stories about other people. How how much of this isn't about you? Um, I have a very small presence in this book. Um, I, I wrote... Uh, I wrote the, the chapter introductions. I wrote some of my philosophical beliefs about legacy, um, you know, it, intertwined with within the stories. Um, and I, I tell a little bit of, of what my story was on my pathway to legacy. And then I tell about a person that, that had the most influence in my life. That uh, that was my personal hero um, when I was a when I was a young cop. Um, I saw the world in a very black and white way. Remember, I i don't know if I mentioned to you, but I was the youngest police officer hired in the state of New Jersey at that time. I was 19 when I was when I was given a gun and a badge, which that's is a frightening thought age. now. Yeah, that's, my, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the age of my now, oldest son. Wow, that would be scary. Think, think of that. Think of that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, now, I look back on some of the decisions I made when I was a 19-year-old wow. police officer given that type of power. 
And everything was very black and white to me. And I, I lived in an apartment in rests and in citations, and I was out there writing tickets to people I was in high school with. I was not a very popular fellow at that time in my life. And uh, one of the uh, one of the guys that um, um, was uh, I I became assigned to was a sergeant named Tom Michaud, and Tom was uh, was a guy that I respected immensely because of of the courage that he showed, because of his leadership. He was a, he was a born leader, um, uh, and one of these people that commanded respect and um, and and loyalty. So I was very proud to be working for this guy, and, and he was mentoring me. And uh, one evening, after we got off work, it was graveyard shift, and he says, Randy, let's go get some breakfast. And I was, oh, sure, okay, Sarge. And we go to this little greasy diner, and I remember looking out of the window, and, and the steam was all over the window, and... Uh, I was telling him about my night. I arrested this guy, and I put the handcuffs on that guy, and I wrote 14 tickets. And he's listening, he's nodding, and he said to me, you know, Randy, you really are a good cop. And I was kind of like beaming at that. He said, you uh, you have a great knowledge of the law. You work your butt off. You know search and seizure. You're not afraid to get involved. He says, you really are a good cop. But, but let me ask you a question. Do you know the difference between being a good cop and being a great cop. And he had me stumped on this. I said, no, I don't. And he kind of smiled, and he said to me, words that changed my life. He said, the difference between being a good cop and being a great cop is one word, and it's called compassion. And what he was saying to me in his kind and uh, leader, leaderly way was that I was lacking that. And it was like somebody turned a light bulb on in my head. And I realized what he was saying and how important it was. And it changed the way I did policing for the rest of my life. And not only did it change the way I did policing, it changed the way I became a police leader. And I passed on that wisdom and, and that, um, those traits to people that I'm, I'm still passing it down as I, as I, 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 I teach a, I do a seminar around the country called Policing with Honor about surviving your career ethically and emotionally as well as physically. And I pass this lesson on even now, and that's been 35 years. And uh, so that's, that's how people become personal heroes. They don't have to go off and, and create the Make-A-Wish Foundation, but by simply passing down the lessons that they have learned and the wisdom that they have, everybody can become a personal hero. And that's why this book is so important. And this message is so important because everybody has the power to change lives. Yeah, you know, when you talk about compassion, uh, obviously it's not just good cop, great cop. It's good doctor, great doctor, good attorney, great attorney, good teacher, great teacher. I mean, this this lesson of compassion is, is critical for, for everybody, every minute. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what I like about your legacy challenge. All these questions are really about opening up the heart, opening up one's heart and uh, to compassion about animals and the less fortunate and, uh, you know, recognize other people's needs and feelings. And, right? That's, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, the 
when we look at the news today and we we see all this this horrendous violence and and the the crime it's it's easy to become disheartened and um what I think is really important is to look at all of the people that are actively taking a part in people's lives in positive ways. And those are the people that need to be celebrated. Their stories and 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 we're capable of doing that. And that's what this that's what this book is about. That's what my website is all about. And then I I I, I don't know if you're aware of of the uh of the other thing that I have created that I believe will touch millions of lives around the world and it's called celebrating legacy. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Well, this this I believe is is going to be the biggest contribution that I will ever be able to make to this world. And it's something I've been working on for 4 years and it arose out of this this you know the same life's experiences um within that 3 month period when my mother became terminally ill and I I took uh, family leave to stay with her and you know, um, the most difficult time of, of of my life was watching my mother die. And during that during that time, um, you know, we 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 were very good friends. She was a beautiful woman, uh, and uh, she uh, she was a medal winner in World War II, one of the few women to actually win the Bronze Star. And so after she passed away, um, because she had that medal. She was able to be buried next to my father in the Arlington National Cemetery, which is a true honor for any American. Well, three weeks after I I, I buried my mom is when I had the stroke, and that's of course where, you know, where we where the story, you know, picks up. And during uh, the, uh, uh, the the formation of my of my vision of clarity and the gift of clarity that I was given, um, there were several instances that that especially at the time when I believe had a very short period of time left to live. And, um, you know, when, I don't know if you've ever dealt with the, the death of, of someone very close to you, but it falls to someone to pick up their address book and start making phone calls to their friends and tell them that they're, that they're, that they're dead. And I did it with my father who died in my arms and with my mother who also died in my arms. And it's so difficult to pick up that phone and make those phone calls. And every time you, you're retelling the story, you're, it's like stabbing yourself in the heart. And I realized that, you know what, I don't want that, I don't want someone in my life to have to do that. I want to be able to take charge of that. And so um, the idea of, of celebrating legacy was formed in my brain. And over the next couple of years, uh, I have literally spent every penny that I own, uh, including all my, my pension money, into the creation of something that we are start testing uh, next month. It's a web-based service that allows people that were, that are were in not my kind of circumstance. I now have the ability to choose who is, who gets notified about when I die, and take that onus away from my family. Not only that, but we there there are things that I knew that I wanted to say to people in my life that I never said, and I knew that it would make me feel better 
to know that they would be said. So I can create a personal message for anyone that they receive after I pass away. That's the technology that we have created. I now am the one who writes my own obituary so that I don't have to burden my family with that. And not only will it get sent to the newspaper for three days, but it gets permanently archived on the Celebrating Legacy website. We call ourselves where memories live forever. And that's what we are establishing. But but even more than that, the idea is to bring families closer together through the sharing of memories. And we have created an entire new social network called the Family Journal, which allows people to do that. And what's really cool about this is you put a video on of your son's 19th birthday. When he's 39 and he has a son that's 19, he can share that memory with his son. Create the family history to pass on. The stories of our grandparents, which which died with them, we now give people the ability to to pass those stories on from their own lips. You know, I don't know if you if you saw um, something that that came to be known as the last lecture. It was it was a Carnegie Mellon lecturer named Randy Potch, and Randy was dying of of uh, pancreatic cancer. He was in his mid-40s. And he was a beloved professor. And he was a very wise man. He had a family. He came to give what what is now known as the last lecture, where he passed on his wisdom to his students and to his family. The lessons of life that he thought were the most important, they were his legacy. And not only did, did did it strike a chord with the people that saw it? More than 19 million people have looked at it on YouTube. It was on Oprah. It created a, a, a national bestseller because it touched people's thoughts about what they would leave behind. Well, what we've created is the ability for everyone to leave their last lecture. And uh, the technology that we have created is uh has never been done before and I'm really proud that that I believe this is going to change the way people view their lives and and give great comfort to millions of people around the world when it gets launched. Uh awesome. Uh, it's yeah. incredible. This this is like a social network that actually has like massive meaning. For exactly. everybody, forever. Exactly. That's exactly right. Do you, one of the things as, as I'm listening to you, it doesn't sound like you're afraid of death. How how do you teach that to people? Because I could see people going to a site like that and going, I don't want to deal with this at all. How do you, well, that, how do you yeah, overcome you're, that? You're absolutely right. And that's why it's about celebrating life. And and uh, it's not a death site, although there are end-of-life aspects to it. It's really about living, about sharing memories as we go through life because they have so much meaning. So it's it's much more oriented at that, it, but it also has the ability to give comfort through these other services. But it's really about sharing our lives together um, and and. We, we've created 
in the family journal something called the family knot, which is you choose your family. You know, <laughs> let's face it, sometimes we don't necessarily like the people that are related to us by blood. And, and uh, you know, you, you may be closer to people that you have developed friendships with than you are with your blood relatives. You, uh, on, on Celebrating Legacy, you're the one that creates your family. If your family is your, is your best friend from childhood, then that's your family. You choose it. And you share your memories with people of your choosing. And you celebrate those lives as life goes on. So that's why it's much more important to celebrate life now than it is to concern ourselves with the future and our deaths. Um, I was, you know, once again, you know, I have to go back into the past because it's so much part of the future. But in uh, in 1989, I I was involved in a in a uh, fatal officer-involved shooting, and I survived a shooting that I should not have. Um, literally, we were standing two feet from one another when he tried to kill me. He was, uh, he, he was shooting the kids at a high school dance, and I was the first officer on the scene, tried to take him physically, and then he, within, you know, our, our, our muzzles, the gun muzzles were almost touching when we fired simultaneously. And then my gun jammed, but his did not. And uh, I had no body armor on at the time. And at the uh, literally when the smoke cleared, I was alive and he was not. And that began a journey for me because no matter how justified you are in taking the life of another human being, um, it, it changes you forever. And uh, in, in examining my life then, I said, you know, why? Why was I the one chosen to survive this? What was this? What was it? What, why, did, why was it me? And that began a journey of self-reflection that continues to this very day because when I look upon that and I realize how blessed I was to survive that incident, I realize that it's because I hadn't yet completed my mission, the mission that I was placed here on Earth for. So, of course, that, meant, that begs the question, okay, Randy, what is your mission? And that is, that's part of, of, of what life's journey is, your constant search for why am I here? What can I do to make the world a better place? And I lost my fear of death that night because I knew that I should have died. And, and I personally, because of that incident, um, um, accepted, ex- ex- fully accept the end of my life without fear. And uh, and that's but that that's part of my personal journey. You know, when I I, I was reading on your website, and you, uh, I'm I'm wondering if maybe the uh, this I you know you, that you overcame this fear of death, but you also uh, did. Is that where you evolved this idea that you know that maybe our physical bodies go away, but some aspect of our our soul or our spirit lives on? Well, you know that, that's that's always been that's always been part of what my uh, what my life has been about is 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 looking for that type of answer. You know, well, I don't think we'll ever, you know, as long as we're on this mortal plane, we'll never 
really know that answer, but we can have faith that uh, that there that there is something other than than just our physical entities. And I I do believe that. I believe that I believe that um, that there is something um, much greater out there, a, a much higher power, and that uh, um, things don't end with the with the end of uh, our physical presence. And that, but of course, that's you know that's my belief, and I, just as I believe that that I was, I was kept around during some of these, <laughs> some of these uh, very interesting times in my life, uh, for a purpose, and and it's it's the belief in that purpose that um, that uh, I believe makes me, um, you know, instills in me a sense of vitality, a sense of purpose, and a sense of meaning. I want to talk about crime survivors for a minute here or victims of crime and their families and so forth because my brother is um, a survivor of one of the most heinous crimes in Minnesota history. His name's Justin Hamilton. And I'm wondering what you would say to There might be people listening who are survivors of crime or their families have, are, you know, are dealing with that. Um, what do you say to them? This is probably a pretty long answer, but just in you know, just a few words. No, no, it's it's a you're, many. <laughs> it's a very very meaningful question, and and you know, I have literally held hundreds of people as the as they as they they ended their lives, um, or was present shortly after violence took them, and I and I dealt with thousands of family members over the years who um, who were traumatized by not just crime, but by motor vehicle accidents, by um, uh, just just traumatic incidents. Um, And it sucks the soul out of you to watch people in pain and to try and find words that can provide some solace some some answer to the questions that that are in their minds about why 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 was he taken why was she taken when they led such a great life and they were good kind people why did this happen to them and there there are no steadfast answers there you know we we've searched for that type of you know, ever since the beginning of religion, I think that the people have asked for that type of answer. And the only thing that I can say is that is when your kindness, your personal kindness, and your personal compassion and empathy can really make a difference in the lives of others. And it is it is only through that being able to simply be there with kindness and compassion during those moments when people are, are, are in such deep pain um, where we can maybe find um, uh, the answer, the be- to, which, which is only the beginning of the journey. Do you, uh, you know, Elizabeth and I both believe that people should take a sort of a, a personal inventory of their lives, you know, every day kind of look at, 
if they've been a good person or not, what they could do different, and along the lines of your your legacy questions. But uh, mm-hmm. do you do you advise people to like write do anything more than that, like writing a journal about it or writing sort of an essay that kind of really elaborates it, or or, or what? You know, everyone has um, a different skill level when it comes down to that type of of chronicling or thought, and that's one of the reasons that I created um, Celebrating Legacy, is to walk people through those steps rather than than sit down and create their own autobiography, basically, to um, give some, some guidance to the way that they can share their memories and revisit them. So I yes, I mean I'm I'm a strong proponent of that. I mean that's in, in essence what celebrating legacy is all about is about um asking people to to record their the the the, the things that are important to them, but record and say uh, you know what do you think of this? What do you want to be remembered for? How do you want people to think of you? And it can still be while you're while you're alive, not just when you're dead, but when you walk out of a room, how do you want people to think of you? And and if we have that conscious thought in our minds, we're going to want to lead a better life. And so that's, you know, in essence, I think that that's really the crux of things. When we... When we have the conscious thought of how will I be remembered, not just when I die, but when I walk out of this room, because we leave a legacy as soon as we close that door. How do you teach police officers to – this is going to come out choppy. Some of these questions are coming out choppy because I'm learning more about you as we go here, and I'm not, I'm not fully – I don't have questions in front of me prepared to ask you, so it's going to be choppy. Um, but how do you fully prepare officers for all the things that they have to do to be in shape, macho, whether they're female or female, withstand all the things that you have to withstand to do that as a profession and mm-hmm. top it off with kindness and compassion? Yes. Yes, that is that is the question. There's a conflict and, there almost, it would feel like, but not. Uh, no, there really isn't a conflict. There is, uh, there is only a methodology. That is, every police officer in this country will face the same challenges, whether they are in the largest city in the country or the smallest town. They will be dealing with people in pain, they will be dealing with uh, people who are incapable of feeling empathy or sympathy for another human being. They will deal with cruelty. They will deal with death. And preparing yourself for that is um, is very, very difficult. Um, life's experiences are what defines us as, as human beings, how we cope with what we uh, what we see, what we do, what is done to us, that's that's what makes every single human being unique. So as a, as a cop, you see things that most people should never and would never see. How do you keep that from I affecting... Yeah, how do you keep... Right, right. And how do you keep that from affecting your your personal mental health, your emotional health? 
And that is something that is is a question that has been asked for as long as I've been a cop and will be asked as long as we exist. But there are there are some there are some answers. Um one of the things that uh, that I recommend to every police officer is reading a book by a retired police officer named Dr. Kevin Gilmartin. Kevin Gilmartin is one of the finest speakers I know on this subject, and he wrote a book called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement Officers. And this should be given to every single police officer at the beginning of their career. In fact, many police departments do exactly that. And, and um, it's a well-written, short book which talks about the physiological responses that, that happen to uh, people that are um, constantly on adrenaline highs. There, is, there are physiological responses that, that take place to, to when, a, when, a, when, a, when someone is placed in danger um, uh, over, over a long period of time. And then how do you counter that? And in reality, there are, there's, a, there's a lot to be learned from that. There's a physical exercise, believe it or not, is one of the most important aspects to mental health when it, to, for a law enforcement officer. And there's there's physiological reasons for that. But at the same time, it's understanding that emotional detachment is a symptom. And it takes place to a, a majority of police officers where they distance themselves from friends and from family because they want to protect them. And they don't believe they can share some of the, the stories that they the, from the things that they witness because they want to protect the people that are closest to them from being exposed to it. You know, police officers have to be warriors yeah. in, uh, during their career. But they, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the reality. And unfortunately, yeah. there, are, there are times when, when that warrior comes out in you and then it's difficult to turn it off. And, and these are the times when, um, you know, every police officer evolves in their career just as we evolve as human beings. We evolve in our careers as, as cops. I mean, um, look at the story that I just mentioned to you about when I was 19 years old. I can assure you that the way I would handle an incident when I was 19 was far different than the way I handled it towards the end of my career because of the wisdom and the experiences that, I developed over those years. Well, that's part of what, when I do policing with honor around the country, you can't impart wisdom. You can impart information. But you can help people to gain a different perspective by sharing of yourself. You know, the experiences that I have had as a cop, um, my book, A Cop's Life, is actually used by police departments around the country it's given to spouses because a lot of police agencies realize that they're going to see the spouses and the families are going to see changes within the people that they love who pin on that badge. And so they use that book to prepare people with that information. So there's, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, opportunity for people to learn and to grow. And, and, you know, that's part of what my mission is, um, 
is to is to take a part in the lives of police officers around the country and try to smooth their existence and give them benefit of the experience that I have had. Somebody wants to ask you a question. I think um, I can't tell because I'm not. I don't have the call screen on. Um, but I'm going to unmute this and we'll see. Um, Hi, Randy. Seven seven zero two area code. Is that you? Hi. Hi, Randy. Uh, hi. Who's, who's this? this? Is Are you in this place? Uh, how are you? I'm good. Jamie. How are you, my friend? <laughs> well, I think Jamie might want to. I think Jamie may have a story for may have a story for you. <laughs> I was calling because I saw on Facebook that you had this interview going on, and I had to call and support you because you are one of my personal <laughs> heroes, and I'm sitting here crying listening to you tell this story and everything. And it's, <laughs> I'll never stop crying because you are the reason I'm alive, Randy, and I love you so much. Well, I, I I appreciate you saying that, Jamie. I I suppose we should we have to share with we the should. listening audience um, that, that Jamie was um, was struck by a um, a, a truck, a, a big tractor trailer, while she was crossing the street a couple of years ago, and I happened to be a witness to it. I happened to be present when I watched the entire thing take place, and she was uh, grievously injured. During that uh, during that accident, and uh, uh, and I was since I was present, I was able to just help help transition her from from uh, being injured into the into the ambulance and and to go get medical help. And uh, that's 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 you did a that lot began. more than that. You did a lot more than that. You well, gave me <laughs> the will to. Survive when I knew that I was dying. I knew that I was dying. And you helped I me in I your proved, arms. I think I proved you wrong on that, didn't I? You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did. And actually, there was this um, passerby woman that stopped and asked, if I was dying and if she could watch me die and you told her to shove off <laughs> yeah, yes, and I, go away. Yes, I did. And, um, different words? Or <laughs> and, um, I don't really remember. All I remember is him telling her to, yeah, you know, <laughs> go away. But <laughs> the point being is that hearing these stories about your career and reading one of the books that cost life that you gave me, and I can't wait to read this next one, Randy. Um, well, I just might have these, a, I just might have a copy for you. I just might. Please, but um, <laughs> hearing all these stories, I don't really think that you know how amazing that you are, and I will oh. spend the rest of my life telling you how amazing. You are because I'm alive because of you. Do you know? Do you know that I um, I'm a I'm a survivor as well, not of not of crime or an accident, but a, of an allergic, very de- deadly allergic reactions. And I go back and I thank all the police officers and paramedics 
and so forth that have saved my life on so many occasions back in uh, Prior Lake, Minnesota. So I think it's so special that you've called in and that you remember that because, Randy, do does everybody do that? I think some people kind of might go on their merry way and, and not be so mindful. So... I'm not sure how that works. I don't know if every if you get thank you notes and and calls and everything from from every person, but um, no, I no. find it very very, very, rare, yeah. very rarely does that happen. But, uh, but the, 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 the real the real the real story is that 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 Jamie has, is is the courageous one. She went through yeah. an incredibly long and arduous uh, hospital stay and and uh, and. Um, Personal therapy, physical therapy, and and I mean, she went she went through hell and she came out on top and she's really the brave one here. You know, I just want to I, I have to go actually in a second because, but I, I think you know you you you're not into personal recognition. It's obvious no, you're a humble person. <laughs> yeah, no, you're out here to to help people, and I just want to say, just in counterpoint to this incredible story, life and death story, you changed my life today. Not life and death, but life and life. Because I'm thinking about everything, this legacy stuff, making a difference from this point on. And I really thank you for that. And uh, regrettably, i got to go because I, I, I have an appointment uh, with a patient. So I'll see you later. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. Thank you, Dr. Nice Walter. Nice to talk to you. And, Jamie, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're getting – Jamie, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you're with us. And I think Thank you. you're a uh, yeah, but it's brave of you to very brave of you to call in, and um, I'm I'm proud of you for doing that because I know that so many people don't, and just thankful that he was was he right there in the right moment. Were you on duty? He was no, no he wasn't was, on duty. I, I was, no, just I, was the, yeah. I was no longer a police officer. Oh, okay. Wow, it's even he was, even more special. I think Fine. what were you doing, getting? Their car washed or something. Just Andy? driving down the street, minding my own business. <laughs> and um, and he saw it. He saw it before I saw it. And he told me later. He was like, "This truck is going to hit her. Crap! Don't hit her. Crap! You're going to hit her. Boom! You know." And it, I was conscious for the majority of everything, and I was dragged 69 feet. And um, very badly burned and uh, semi-paralyzed. And um, actually, but I'm still here. And actually, we um, the same street that that I that I got hit on, we ended up crossing for a news um, segment together. And he and I was so afraid to uh to cross it and to look at me and he said, Honey if they really want you to do this, I will do this with you and I promise you that they will hit me before anything before they ever hit you. Me. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> and yeah. he says he said to me, he said, Once you do this, um, you will never you will no longer be afraid and the journey will be over. But the journey is just beginning. This was this was after her re, her recovery. She uh, yeah. This was that yeah. way way after she, recovery and everything. Right. But um, we crossed the street together and 
she uh, she proved that she could do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, um, I love stories like that too. Like my dad did a a lap around the ICU because he wasn't you know he's in a coma and not supposed to survive his stroke and all those things. And I love it when people cross or or walk where they've survived. I I think that's very special. Do you, um, Jamie? If it's possible through Randy, mm-hmm. I would like to connect you with Sarah Basie. Um, Sarah okay, Sarah Basie. Yeah, Sarah Basie is um well she's a she's a former Mrs. International but that's beside the point. Um she was in a she was in a helicopter accident and um she's a, a burn survivor and she spends so much time um inspiring other people and helping people be their best and survive and continue on and all these things. She's just an incredible inspiration. She went. She's gone on to yeah. I mean, and she's burned. I think, I, you know, I don't know, but she's she's gone through so many surgeries and so many survivor survival things. And what I do is, on on the Mrs. International pageant website every year, I try and pick the winner because it's just kind of something fun I do. And I saw I was looking through all the people in the pageant, and um, I saw her eyes. And um, they're green, and they mean to be here. And I just beelined for her, and I said, can I interview you? I don't really care so much about the pageant. I care about you and your story and everything. And I didn't know she was um, a survivor survivor of this accident and all of these things. And um, she's gone on to be in my book and be just a great friend. And um, I think you might just thoroughly, maybe you too, Randy, you might just thoroughly love speaking with her. She's um, She's just a beautiful soul. Yeah, by I all means. Uh, yeah, sure. Sorry, that was a little winded, but yeah, she's she's just very very sweet. Um, and and the she, thing is, but um, she went on to win. That, you know, through she stood on stage, and she's you know she's pretty severely burned, and she and pageants are tough on people. You know, you've got to be plastic surgery and perfect and all this stuff, and she won. That's, well, that's, like that's a great thing, story. The whole national thing, and she put herself out there with sleeveless dresses and everything. And she won, and I just she's fearless and so brave, regardless of whether it's a pageant or not or anything. But she's a Harvard she's gone on she's a Harvard graduate. Um, she runs this she's a she runs this huge company in the Minneapolis area, and she's just a she's really inspirational. But you might like to meet her. Excellent, excellent. But, yes, so contact yeah. information. I'll pass it on. Okay, awesome. Um, um, we're running out of time, but I I want to thank everybody for for um, listening and um, mostly thank Randy for being here and sharing all of your um, books and wisdom and your websites. And um, I was wondering if maybe you want to go through just one more time. And um, your website, the main website is The Power of Legacy. Is that right? The Power, the power of, of Legacy. Legacy.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, book, the book is now available on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Okay. And... Um, and and all my other books are also available on uh, Barnes Noble and Amazon as well. Okay, and there's there's a couple things we didn't talk about. Just really quick on your website, um, you could submit your hero's story on Randy's website. Um, you mm-hmm. have this great blog, the Legacy Blog. And then before we go, I was just wondering if you could touch on what Messages to Heaven is. I sure I will. Um, uh, messages to Heaven. You know when. Um, when I lost my mother and my and my father, um, you know, even years later, I, there were things that I wanted to tell my my mother, and I just wish I had that ability to do it. 
and I and I and I know from talking to many many other people uh, that that I have inter, you know interfaced with in relation to to the concepts of legacy that I shared this same type of 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 wish, and so I created messages to heaven where you can come onto the website, do it anonymously, or put your name in uh, the name the, of the person that you wish were if you were if you were in heaven with that person the communication that you would like to say. And uh, I, tell, I tell you, there, there are some amazing, there are some amazing things on that, on that portion of the website, the messages that people would like to say. And, and uh, it's, 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 of course it's free. It's everything on there. You know, there's no charge for anything. And it's just, uh, just my way of, of uh, kind of trying to smooth over that, you know, that, that pain and that hurt that we feel, at the loss of someone. Yeah. Do you have any time for anything more, or do you have to go? Because we're running out uh, of time. I, do, you have, do you have even I, five I more have, minutes? I have, as, I have as much time as you want. I'm, my okay, cool. my, my I, morning I, is yours. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to do that, but I, I, I thank you very much. I scheduled this for 90 minutes because I had a sneaking suspicion we would sort of run over time, but I wasn't sure if you were available. One of the things that I, I thought, and I think a lot of people thought, is, oh, cool, he's coming on to talk about cops and casino and fools rush in and miscongeniality. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and no, um, we're, we're in a different, totally different direction. Um, I'm curious, with everything we know about you right now and listening to you for an hour, how did all that come into play in, in your well, life? And was it before well, or it, after? It, it's, it's, it is kind yeah. of interesting. Um, I was on, uh, from being a you know, Las Vegas police officer, um, they, uh, uh, the television show Cops was filming here in Vegas. This is when that was a really, um, that was a, a, a very innovative concept back in the early days. They were the first true reality television show. And they filmed here back in 1989, which I believe was their second season. And, uh, what they would, they, they chose me to be on the show as one of the police officers. I mean, there was a whole bunch of cops. And they got a bunch of good stories with me. And so um, they, uh, they aired a lot of those, those segments. And I got a phone call from a casting director who said uh, they're going to be filming a movie in Vegas, and the director is looking for realism as a police officer. Would you come out down and do a, um, an audition? And I... So sure, I actually have a theater background from from my younger days. I did a lot of theater in Princeton, New Jersey. So acting was something that that I had done before. So I, uh, but I had no idea what the movie was. It was just a movie. So I, I walked into the audition room, and who's standing there but Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese? Oh, great! And I got to tell you, that was that was a little uh, intimidating, I must say. And uh, my audition consisted of me telling them stories kind of like what I just told you a few of. And I, they wanted to hear stories about me being a cop. And I said, well, sure, I've got a bunch of them. And um, and that's how I got the part. Uh, it was a pretty decent speaking role in the movie Casino when my scene was with uh, Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone. And uh, we actually wound up ad-libbing most of that scene just De Niro and I just uh, trading ideas, and they they kept that scene in. 
so that's how I got in the Screen Actors Guild, and then I did a few other movies after that. I did uh, Fools Rush In with Salma Hayek. Um, I did uh, Miss Congeniality 2 with uh, Sandra Bullock, and um, a few other movies, some of that I would rather like to forget because they were so bad. And then uh, I co-starred in the pilot episode of Las Vegas with James Caan, but there I got to play a bad guy instead of a cop, which was kind of fun. Yeah. Now, do you ever think of going in that direction, or and how long ago was was this? Um, I actually, I still do some, I still do some roles. I still do some roles yeah. here and there. Um, I don't actively, I don't actively go out and audition. But if someone calls me for something, I'll go do an audition. It's, that's a. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I just said it's neat because I, you know one of my favorite things about uh, um, people is when they take all their background and combine it in all these different directions, whether it's writing or acting or. And they're open. Like you remain open to the possibilities of all the different things um, and directions your life can go in. I oh, think absolutely. Cool. People do that. Well, one of, one of the, the things that I enjoy most is, uh, is music. Um, I, uh, I sing in some of the casinos here occasionally. With, uh, I do, I do uh, I've stu- I studied music for years with uh, my musical mentor who was named Milt Lyon, and Milton was uh, um, an absolute powerhouse on Broadway and in, in the theater. He was the head of the theater um, education at Princeton University, and he took me under his wing, and uh, I studied with him for years, and um, he changed my life musically, because as as my musical mentor, he taught me more about um, allowing emotion through song to um, to come out as as a way of dealing with even the 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 you know the, some of the horrible things that I saw as a cop, um, it became a, an, an an outlet for me. And performing with wonderful musicians, I, I I had the great good fortune of singing with the Los Angeles Symphony Strings at one time. Uh, and it, there's there's just something so magical about music, and that's one of the things that I I really enjoy. So. You've got music, you've got acting, you've got writing, you've got all these creative things. When you were a kid, what was the point at, or where was the point at which, you know, you're 19, have you, have you like when you were in kindergarten, for example, did you say, I'm going to be a police officer one day? Or what was the moment where you chose, because clearly you have many, many gifts, and in uh, so many, you've got a range of things that you can do, and you're and you're good at all of them too. Some people are some people are great at this, and then they're just yeah, that's my hobby. But you're good at all of them, um, which is awesome. But was there something you don't that, know that you haven't heard me sing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I got an MP3 queued up here. Um, <laughs> you don't know it, but I was in no. Um, but how did you make the choice? To, to be a police officer instead of a writer, you know, at that moment, back when you were 19 well, or whatever age it was. I, I actually knew Go back that into I was your childhood for me. i got to hear it. So Sorry. It, it's, it actually runs in my family. My grandfather was a was a, a deputy sheriff who was shot in the line of duty in, in New York, uh, New York State. And uh, my both my parents were court reporters. So I grew up listening to stories of trials and crime and, I always knew what I was going to be from the time I was a little boy, and uh, and so there there was never any question in my mind that was that was what I was going to be, and 
I actually became a police cadet when I was 17. And uh, wow. uh, the the way I became a cop is kind of funny, actually, because it, that was the that was uh, the being a police cadet was what tra- led me into that transition. And what happened was, um, believed in protecting people that needed protection, and that was from the time I was I was a child. And when I was in high school, there was a there were a number of bullies that like to um, that like to assert their their physicality over people that were weaker than them. And uh, when that took place, uh, I would find myself in situations where uh, I could I could stand up for others. And uh, uh, but as a result of that, I kept on getting thrown out of school. <laughs> I was getting I was getting suspended. I was getting suspended yeah. on a regular Second basis. Somebody, probably. <laughs> and and uh, what happened was uh, uh, I was in in the principal's office being suspended and waiting for my mother to come pick me up again. But the principal actually liked me, and he knew that when I when I got into fights, it wasn't because I was picking on people. It was because I was standing up for others. So he actually liked it. So he liked he liked me personally and uh while we were in his office waiting for my mother to pick me up his phone rings and it was the police chief of of Princeton because every year they would choose a cadet out of the uh out of the high school to work and and be, become familiar with police work and i heard that part of the conversation so i'm i literally jumped up and i'm pointing at myself me me and the principal <laughs> got this funny smile on his face and he said chief i think i have the perfect cadet for you and that's how oh, that's i actually true. got hired as a police <laughs> as a police cadet in princeton that's awesome 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 all right i won't keep you anymore but um i think um i guess i call it rant is it um jamie jamie are you still with us i think she's yeah yeah, I yeah you are i thought so I just want to thank you again for calling in. It's very special that you did that, and um, I wish fun. you well and continued continued well being and bravery. It's thank awesome you. that you're here. Um, and Randy, I hope I didn't just mute the wrong call. <laughs> Randy, are you still? No, with I'm here? I'm right here. Yeah, I'm there right you go. I got, the, I got the right phone. Um, that's very special that she called in. But um, thank you very much for being with us for the hour and I don't know how many minutes long, but. Um, I so appreciate you being here today. Very cool. Show. And I so appreciate you having me. I really do. It's a very enjoyable conversation. I uh, I applaud what you are doing in uh, in spreading your message of uh, of reaching out for their potential and for becoming better better human beings. And uh, uh, the, you're touching a lot of lives by what you do, and I appreciate that immensely. I th- yeah. The, the one question I didn't ask you was. You know, with all the, with all, the, there seems like there's so much like bad in the world, and crime, and it, it's worldwide now. Some of the atrocities, uh, always that have, even throughout history and current and everything. Do you, do you think we overcome that by throwing our positive energy into the world? Is this? I think. I think you, if we did, it's got to be I more articulate if, words. <laughs> well, you know, I I know exactly what you're saying, and I I believe deep in my heart that um, the only way to combat cruelty is through compassion. The only way to combat 
crime is through personal justice, and um, and the only way to tolerance and to passion. To I think everything our, gets met with Well, I think the only way for us to to gain our own happiness is through um, is through helping others, and that's yeah. that is the that is our pathway, I believe. I, I think it's really neat all the things that you're doing. I wish you. Um, I hope that you, when your um, websites come up for all of the the, the you know the new things that you have going legacy. on, mm-hmm. yeah, celebrating legacy. That you'll you'll come back a couple months from now, and um, we'll do a show about that because I think that's really special. Um, I, well, I'll I tell you, you what I'm going to what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to make sure that you and Walter have free memberships, and so you can Perfect. actually. Use it yourself, and uh, and then we can we have a real good discussion about it. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to do that. All right. Thank you very much for that, and thank you again for being with us. And let me just go through um, a little bit of um, Randy Sutton's website before we go. Um, we've been chatting with Randy for uh, close to an hour and a half now, and he is uh, the author of four books. You can go to his website, thepoweroflegacy.com. Can read all about him. Connect with him in social media. On Twitter, he is LT Randy Sutton. And uh, Randy, check uh, if you check your notifications. We've tweeted you a couple times, and um, so if you click on notifications on Twitter, if you're not already doing that, you'll see us in there. Been tweeting about the show and stuff. But he's also on Facebook, Google Plus, YouTube, LinkedIn. And um, on his website, you can meet him. You can look at the profiles and legacy, messages to heaven, all the things that we've been talking about today. The legacy blog is really neat. And there's a bookstore on here as well where you can purchase his four books. And can I ask you one more question before we go? Sorry, I've got one more. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely have have this growing passion for police dogs and and their handlers. I've connected with um, some people here locally in Maine that um, train the police dogs. Do you have this? Is just a shot here out of out of the dark. Do you do you have any out of the light? Actually, do you have any experience with canine units? I think they're so cool. I've no I idea have why. A, I have a very Ron very them. personal experience with a canine unit. Really? Because um, yep, because um, while I was uh, a, uh, a sergeant. We were searching for a uh, an armed robber, and the canine handler and I were searching the this uh, basement area of a of a commercial building, and the dog, which was a huge German Shepherd, and I'll never forget his name. His name was Alk. Alk alerted on uh, a pile of rubbish, and so I went in, and there was the suspect, and uh, he and I got into a battle, uh, a physical battle. And Alk got so upset when he saw me fighting with this guy that he leaped so powerfully that he broke his his leash that the handler had and landed right on me and bit the hell out of me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's my, oh my that is my canine story. Put me in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but that's interesting. Yeah, there's um, there's a guy here named Christian Stickney, um, who I'm going to do a story on, I think, for our Million Dollar Hearts blog. Um, I think I just think canine units are so cool. With oh, they're they're they do, they're I wonderful, think. and those dogs are fantastic. I love them. Yeah, I I just look forward to learning more about it. But anyway, all right. Thank you so much again. Sorry, I I will. I will end my questioning now. <laughs> <'Cause it's funny. laughs> 
All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Randy Sutton, for being here. And, um, yeah, thank you again. All right. Take care, everybody. We will um, – oh, geez, I don't know when our next show is. Um, I think it's Thursday. I think we're going to have a show on Thursday. So we will – oh, yeah, 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 we do. We have Gabe Berman coming on. Gabe is the author of Live Like a Fruit Fly, and um, he'll be on Thursday at 1 o'clock. So really excited. Gabe Berman is one of my great friends. The hashtag is L-L-A-F-F. Gabe Berman, Live Like a Fruit Fly, he's coming on. All right, take care, everybody. Have a great day, and visit us at besteveryou.com if you get a chance. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.